for Obama. He's too good for me, though I want somebody bad like you. One good thing had come out of the past three weeks. I'd finally found a way to describe the sound of my diseased conscience. It was a styrofoam ice chest wedged behind the seat of an old pickup. The rougher the road, the louder it squeaked, until the noise became unbearable. My cell phone rang again as Jean-Claude was clearing away my second double espresso. This time I answered, What the fuck do you want, Wade? It's not Wade. It's Tom. Wade got into a fight. He wanted me to call you. Tell him that I'm not coming. I hung up. They couldn't be anywhere but the Coastal Club, one of the places I was avoiding, a place that I'd been avoiding even before Terry died. I poured my espresso into a sip cup and sped out of the parking lot. Something that had stuck with me from that lost decade of being a cop. Running out of coffee shops and driving away too fast. A simple white building in a glade of oak and eucalyptus just off Laguna Canyon Road. The Coastal Club was nicer than most AA clubs because a rich gallery owner had endowed it thirty years ago. Then it took them almost half that thirty years to decide on a design. It was just down the road from the old Bhagwan Ranjish place, now a nursery school, and you could have mistaken it for a deal like that the architectural equivalent of a freshly laundered linen nightgown. They'd done a good job. I hated going there, but it was the place where my life began. Once I would have slept there, if they had let me. I first met Terry in the gravel parking lot where I was now skidding my truck into a swirl of dust. Wade stood at the front door beside Tom and several other fools from the 7 a.m. meeting, It seemed like everyone but Wade wanted to tell me what had happened, but they were a little scared to tell me, too. Since Terry's death, I'd become an authorized repository for community grief. One reason I hadn't attended a single meeting since the funeral was that I was sick of people looking at me as though I might break down or explode. Wade's pal, Tom an overweight photojournalist who'd taken the highway patrol on a chase through two counties last summer, gave me a jaunty and ridiculous salute. He and a guy I didn't know at all with dark glasses and a bomber jacket stood behind Wade like secret service agents, arms at their sides, but ready. When I rolled up beside the curb, Wade said, Dude. In the truck, I answered. It wasn't his fault, Tom said. Troy Padilla came out of nowhere. Out of nowhere, the other guy underlined. In the truck, please, I said to Wade. His dad's a mafioso or something, Tom explained. He knows how to do that shit. In the fucking truck. When we got back to my house above Bluebird Canyon, M.P., only her father calls her Mary Pat, was back from yoga training and drilling up something in the blender that I might drink if I were dying of cancer. She gave Wade a hug. They'd gone to Catholic high school together in Ranch Santa Margarita. Wade had grown up surfing and perfecting his substance abuse and brushing his blonde hair out of his eyes. 
M.P. had grown up riding horses, wishing she weren't flat-chested and steering clear of boys like Wade. He won't talk to me, Wade said. All the way over here, he wouldn't speak. You guys are going to have to work this out, M.P. said, while I'm somewhere else. He thinks I'm lying to him. This dude came out of nowhere to punch me, and he thinks I'm lying. I sat down on the Indian daybed that M.P. had found for me at a swap meet. Not as comfortable as my Eames chair, but it provided me a great view of my home. I'd taken a mid-century hillside ranch style and redone the interior as contemporary cottage. Eclectic furniture like this daybed contrasted with the white ceilings, white walls, and white plank flooring. I had used traditional materials and hadn't goobered them up with too many fixtures. Reclaimed oak beams in the ceiling were the darkest element by far. Otherwise-